Welcome to Wavelengths, a podcast with Amphenol Broadband Solutions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show, both our legacy listeners and our new listeners. If this is your first time, then we're excited to welcome you to some of the best thought leadership in the larger telecom industry. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us as we dive deep into the news, the trends, the technologies, and the market forces that are shaping the evolving telecom industry. And as you follow along with our conversation today, make sure you're heading to our website, amphenolbroadband.com. Again, that's amphenolbroadband.com for more resources and more information about our solutions and services, but also for some more content, including episodes of the show and other blogs, videos, you name it. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations plus notifications when we drop new episodes of the show. All right, folks, let's jump into it. There's a lot to unpack on today's episode of Wavelengths. So here's a little bit of context. In late 2021, as one of the Biden administration's first pieces of landmark legislation, we saw the passing of the Infrastructure uh, Investment and Jobs Act, right? Now, this intended to invest significant capital into a revitalization of U.S. infrastructure and the creation of new productive positions for U.S. labor. Part of the funding from this JOBS Act is set aside specifically for broadband infrastructure development. This is something we've covered on the podcast before, uh, but it takes the form of two unique programs, the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program, otherwise known as BEAD, and the Affordable Connectivity Program, otherwise known as ACP. So today's episode of the show, in similar fashion to previous episodes of the show, is going to be a policy-based deep dive. We're going to be unpacking this set of federal funding initiatives created to support the expansion of broadband initiatives across the U.S. and specifically for underserved and rural areas. We'll analyze the basics, right, the implementation timelines, when the larger industry should come to expect or what they should come to expect from this round of funding. And like most federal funding, the results don't come from the money itself, but from how it's spent, right? So we'll do an analysis of the proposed deployments for BEAD and ACP, what works, what may prove to be inefficient or challenging to actually fully realize. Um, And then we'll also give some analysis on what ISP decision makers can do about all of this funding, right, to make sure that the funds are deployed in a way that actually increases access and quality of broadband internet as it's deployed across the U.S. So I'm excited to welcome our guest. That's enough intro from me. For insights and a comprehensive breakdown of this funding, I'm pleased to welcome our guest for the episode, Mr. Ben Elkins. He's CEO of Airbeam. Airbeam is a rising Arizona-based fiber to the home and fixed wireless internet provider. And Ben sports a 20-plus year career in telecom with previous roles as a a VP of sales and COO at Voce Telecom. He has an extensive knowledge of all things telecom from business development to tech and has secured many major domestic and international deals in his tenured career. Ben, great to have you on the show. How are you doing today, Great, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's always great, um, you know, getting to sit down with 
other executives in the, I mean, I'm not an executive <laughs> myself, but you know what I mean, sitting down with executives in the larger telecom industry to, um, you know, get their analysis, but also some anecdotal perspectives on how, you know, this often very large scale funding that impacts um, ISPs, states, municipalities, how it's being interpreted by one operation and one thought leader in the industry. So I appreciate you sitting down with us and giving us your perspectives. Um, you know, real quick, I gave a basic intro there for our audience, but uh, anything else you'd like to mention and, um, you know, in terms of your career, your experience and how it relates to the topic at hand? Sure. No, um, you know, like you said, uh, I am a 20 plus year veteran. Um, I was with the GP Voice Voce Telecom for 20 years and uh, Boston Omaha Corp, uh, who owns uh, Airbeam. Um, we purchased Airbeam in uh, 2021, as just same as the infrastructure bill, actually, as Silicon side. Um, they uh, they brought me on about eight months ago to grow Airbeam and to uh, really uh, set it on fire um, as far as rural Arizona. We're not trying to be um, everything to everyone, but we are trying to be uh, Arizona's number one rural internet provider and fiber to the home. And which meshes great with BEAD and ACP since um, much of Arizona, especially in the rural areas, are neglected as far as, uh, you know, the ISPs go uh, because of the cost and, and different matters. And we really think that, um, you know, the infrastructure bill got it right and with, the, with the funds that they're allowing BEAD to, um, to make these rural areas and give access to the folks that, that need it most. So we're really excited about both these programs. Yeah, and that angle is important, right? Uh, Airbeam exists uh, because it is filling a very specific market need and is trying to establish itself as the trusted provider for rural Arizona. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that speaks a lot to, you know, why this funding is needed in the first place. Uh, and I'm excited to pull from that perspective as one of the providers, you know, that is hopefully set to benefit the most from this kind of funding, uh, how you are interpreting the funding, its utility, and maybe some challenges. So let's jump sure. into it. As explained uh, by Pew here, this is Pew's definition, the BEAD program, quote, uh, is more than $42 billion to construct broadband networks, establish subsidies to offset the cost of internet service for lower income households, and create programs to provide end users with the devices and training they need to use the new and upgraded networks, end quote. So there's a lot there that BEAD is meant to cover. Um, could you get into just more detail for our audience here today? What is the BEAD program, just in more detail, and how does it try to address the digital divide in the United States and achieve some of those various goals? That I yeah, think? for sure. And, and Pew had a good definition there, actually. That was, that was pretty good. Um, you know, it's really designed uh, to establish broadband networks, right, uh, for the unserved and underserved areas um, for residents all over the communities to receive high-speed internet, um, high-speed fiber internet, really. Um, there are too many rural areas in this country where it's just not feasible for the ISPs to go in there and, and build out fiber networks in the middle of, in the middle of rural America. So that's where BEAD steps in um, to help the ISPs provide the uh, fast uh, fiber networks uh, in those areas and should allow, if BEAD is operated correctly, which I think it will be, every uh, community will have access to high-speed internet, uh, which is the goal of BEAD. And uh, I think they'll be successful at this. And BEAD actually plans to divvy out funding based on, um, I guess, various, quote, formula-based yes. allocations. So this is an attempt for BEAD uh, funding to be equitable 
and to divvy up, you know, as much as several billion dollars seems like a lot of funding when you are deploying uh, expensive infrastructure across the whole of the United States, deploying that funding intentionally and very specifically matters a lot. So some of the allocations are minimum allocations, high cost allocations, and remaining funds. So real quick for our audience, I'll break those down. Minimum is that each U.S. state is getting $100 million, just period, to invest in their uh, expanded broadband infrastructure. This includes D.C. and Puerto Rico. We're also getting $25 million for other U.S. territories in that ecosystem. There's also high-cost allocations. So these are going to be more specific allocations for underserved areas where development of broadband infrastructure is particularly costly. And this is because of the breadth of development needed. You know, it's just a huge undertaking. Then there will be remaining funds, which is going to be state-by-state state allocations based on more specific extra areas of need uh, for developing expanded broadband infrastructure. Um, so this funding is going to be facilitated by the NTIA. And I'm curious your thoughts on sort of that structure there, right? What are your thoughts on that approach to uh, breaking up the funding based on different tiers? And honestly, even specifically the NTIA's role in deploying those funds. Yeah. What's y'all's yeah, assessment? Great question. So- um, let's start with the first part there um, on, on the different uh, allocations of the funds. So they are breaking out in kind of three categories, right? Um, you know, the lower cost funding uh, will go to the areas that are easier builds for the ISPs. So for an example, uh, I know you're in Texas. Let's say we have a, uh, an area outside of Dallas that, that might have been um, forgotten about. Maybe it's uh, between Dallas and, and the Oklahoma border. It's rural, but it's still, let's say, a community's there that has, you know, three or 4,000 homes, but they're all close together. It's not an extremely hard build, but for whatever reason, uh, the ISPs just neglected it, didn't want to service it for whatever reason. They'll be uh, qualified for more of the lower cost, um, uh, lower tiered funding. Um, and then let's say, for instance, you're in the middle of uh, swampland, Florida, that uh, nothing lives there but alligators, right? And there's some homes in some areas. They're going to be hard to get you're gonna have a much, much more difficult build to get to those areas. So for those, you're gonna have more money allocated for those type of areas. And then they're also gonna have money allocated for middle mile and different projects as well. And middle mile is just getting the infrastructure to those folks. So they'll be able to do that as well. So grand scheme, every state has been allocated money based on the FCC map. And B did it really smart, and I'm sure we'll get into a little deeper later, but, um, they did it a lot different than some of the other um, programs. They really spent a lot of time and detail going through the map to design it. So each state uh, could get the allocated funds. Like I know, um, you know, and each state gets different funds. I know in Texas, I believe, um, shoot, I think it was uh, over a hundred uh, billion dollars uh, was the number for the state of Texas, or a hundred million dollars, I'm sorry, for the state of Texas, just in one county. So it was, it was interesting how they break it down county by county, state by state. So there's going to be a lot of different, um, um, you know, measurements on how they do it, but there's plenty of money for each state to service every area. Um, and, and we're, we're all excited about it. Um, second piece, you know, let me get to, I'm sorry, the second piece of your question, the NTIA. So this was great too. Okay. So you had the NTIA and BEAD. And you actually have them working together. And this is perfect. You have states and government working together, which a lot of times doesn't happen in our society. So this is really, really good. Um, and NTIA was really smart. They gave each state upfront money to create um, 
two things. It got them to have office space and then get personnel. And what this allowed them to do was it allowed them to create directors of broadbands and different folks to go out and meet the communities, um, meet the ISPs, and really get to know them and figure out where the needs were and where the real problem areas and how we could help the different states and different counties, and different communities, and then figure out firsthand, okay, what ISPs could really be qualified to do this? And then what communities could be matching up well with them? So really smart that they have both entities working together on this. For instance, um, on the previous other plans that maybe not work so well, like RDOF, RDOF was a uh, national program that didn't have any real estate influence on that. And they had a huge mapping problem too. The data was really, really bad on the map. So they had all kinds of faults and problems from the get-go. BEAT has gone about totally different. And I think because of that, BEAT's gonna be a lot more successful. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm actually going to follow up on that yeah. point and dig a little deeper into the distinctions here in yeah. a second. But I, I first want to uh, ask a follow-up here. So again, one of the tiers for funding allocation is uh, the remaining funds, right? Yeah. And these are state by state, yeah. um, but they're based on you know more specific extra needs right. that are very state-specific. Uh, I'm curious if you could give us some examples of what that looks like in Arizona, sure. right? Um, you know, what are some of the specific challenges Arizona is going to have to face, whether that has to do with, um, you know, the geography, the actual like process of laying down fiber, uh, or if it has to do with some of the, uh, excuse me, the dynamics between federal and state uh, in Arizona. Thoughts? So Arizona, as you all know, has a lot of people moving here every day. Just in Maricopa County, we have 350 people move here every single day. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge state for uh, a lot of great reasons. It's a great place to live. So part of the extra funds will go for building out infrastructure where they think that uh, people will be moving to and kind of get ahead of the game. We're also building a, uh, an infrastructure highway throughout the state that's being funded as well. So there'll be some funds allocated to that and for middle mile connecting, um, you know, different areas of, of rural areas um, to make it have some build in some redundancy. So we're really excited about uh, having the extra funds and I believe there will be extra funds to do those projects. And also uh, there'll be some funds allocated for uh, the tribal communities as well through that. And we'll, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm pitching this live to Wavelengths and uh, ABS, but maybe we could do an episode in the future where we, uh, you know, once we start seeing some of that funding deployed, uh, have you sit down with some other executives in different states and kind of cross compare what some of the challenges and solutions have been to deploying for those specific needs. Um, because I think that's really going to define the success of these funds is being able to identify what those specific needs are in each state uh, and addressing them with the future in mind, especially, you know, with your example, more and more people moving to the state, um, you know, who knows, is that trend going to sustain or change in the next, you know, four to six years as this infrastructure gets deployed? Hard to say. I'm sure the folks deploying it are doing that analysis and are going to try to keep that in mind as it gets deployed. But, um, you know, those are the considerations to keep in mind. Um, so, okay, next question here. Uh, the funding allocations, it said, are also going to be based on the FCC's um, new 2022 allocation maps. You kind of brought this up earlier. These were met with, you know, some applause, some critique when they were initially released. What was your take on them and how effective do you think they'll be in helping facilitate BEAD funding in their current iteration? So, you know, great question again. You know, BEAD did a, a 
with in, in conjunction with the FCC did a map, and um, I thought they did a really good job. The map is in great detail. Um, again, I, I thought they did a much better job going about this in RDOF. Um, were there challenges? Yes. So we had a challenge process that was due at the end of December, early January, and there were um, some um, some ISPs that maybe uh, didn't have the accurate information on the map. So other companies and other personnel um, challenged the map and won some won some lost. And there was a challenge process. It was great. It had state, it had communities, and the government all working together to get the most accurate of maps. And then they finalized that map, and I believe there's one more challenge still to come um, to finalize that. So given folks the opportunity where if they're not happy with the map, they can challenge. And a lot of the states were challenging. So it was, nothing's perfect, right? But this is so much better than it was before. So I'm looking at it what it was you know, two years ago to what it is now, and they've made great strides in that. I think um, you know, the, the other cool thing that uh, with the map, it gives you great detail for an ISP. So I can go into the FCC map now, and I can say, gosh, look at uh, community A, and I'll say, you know what, this whole area is underserved, and this fits our footprint, this could be a great area for us to do business in and help that community out. Because at the end of the day, um, as, as an owner and a CEO of an ISP, what we really want to do is, is, is service our customers, take care of them, and provide the best quality service so they can have the best service at home and have quality high-speed internet for their families. And if there's an area in a community we can get that to, um, that's a win-win for everyone. So that the FCC map is, does is great details for that, and uh, it's it's excellent. And you've drawn this distinction a few times now. I'm going to go ahead and hit on it. How would you say the BEAD program differs from previous initiatives like RDOF that attempted to expand broadband access? Um, and also, you know, compared to some of the other grants that were part of the Infrastructure and Jobs Act early on, like there were some digital equity grants, tribal connectivity grants, ones that are more focused on industry. So telemedicine, middle mile logistics grants, right? There's so many different iterations of deploying funds for improving broadband equity that it's kind of hard to keep yeah. track of all of them, honestly. So how would you say the bead program compares to some of those previous iterations, but more specifically, RDOF? Sure. Um, you know, one thing that is huge, I think that, you know, RDOF was just a, a federal grant, right? And, you know, RDOF um, had one, had a few flaws, actually. But one of them, you know, I think they picked a lot of winners and they didn't vet out the ISPs that, and I think some of the ISPs got, um, not maybe too rambunctious, but they, they, they got over their head a little bit on be able to service the amount of customers. So we might've thought, gosh, I really want this grant in this area. And then they went, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Um, so I think the bead has done an extremely good job of vetting and they're doing a good job of vetting all the ISPs to make sure, hey, um, they're financially um, able to provide the service. They've been in business uh, for X amount of years. Um, they have a local footprint, stuff like that, that, that makes a lot of sense that, Hey, if we're going to award you this money, we want to make sure that the customers actually get serviced and they can provide this. They also, um, incorporate a matching concept. So anyone that applies for, um, a bead fund must, um, match up to 25% of the grant themselves. So they have to actually have that capital, uh, ready to go. Um, and I think that's an important part, um, to actually have some skin in the game. 
So uh, us as an ISP, and we're partnering with the state and the government, and it's all three of us working together to, at the end of the day, provide that uh, end user the best service possible. Uh, so I think that's a that's a cool um, component as well. Um, you know, the, you mentioned the tribal uh, broadband program. So that was a $3 billion program and a, million, a billion dollars of it uh, did get funded um, already. And a lot of the tribal communities uh, did receive that money. They do need still assistance from ISPs to help implement that money and, um, you know, put it into play. The other $2 billion that is left is into this infrastructure bill and will get dispersed um, soon as well. So that will be a huge addition because the tribal communities are some of the most needy of these uh, of the of the fiber networks in their communities. So that will be a, a great help um, for them as well. And, and let's expand on that too, considering that's one of the markets that uh, Airbeam is poised to best serve with this funding. Um, how how is the bead program pitching itself as uh, or you know structured to work with states? local communities, right, tribal communities, to identify the areas that you know, have the greatest need for broadband access? And um, what kind of projects do you imagine that bead funding will support, right? Beyond just the fact that maybe they have a, a better map system than um, RDOF did when it was initially launched, right? What are some of the strategies that the bead program has in mind for connecting with and actually working, uh, you know, more bilaterally with these communities? So, yeah, so you know, each state has its own director of broadband and they are great, yeah. hugely inf influential in, in talking with the communities and talking with the ISPs and bridging the gaps with the communities and the tribal, uh, you know, the tribal councils are, they are involved with this director. Um, so I know in Arizona, our director of broadband has talked to every mayor, town manager in the state, finding out their needs. And then they go to the tribal commissions and say, okay, how much money have you received? How much money more do you need? What does it take to build out your community? And then they're going back to the board and figuring out, okay, we need X amount of dollars. How do we get this for them? And that's gonna be part of the bead fund as well. And some of the tribal communities already are funded, like I mentioned, but they haven't been able to implement it yet. You know, it's one thing to, to get an X amount of dollars to say, okay, I'm ready to serve my community. I have, I have $20 million, right? And I want to serve the community and, and get all the high-speed internet to everyone. But how do I do that? It's not just as easy to throw some servers up and start an ISP. So then you got to be able to get an ISP to come to your land and say, okay, how do I build this out? And can I build this to my community? So one, you got to get the funds. That's the most important thing. Then you have to actually get an ISP to come there and build it out for you. So I think that's the one thing that Bead's doing is bridging those two together and allowing that, to, that marriage to happen. So I think that's going to be a huge impact for the tribal communities going forward. And uh, I look forward to seeing that because I know in Arizona, there are a lot of tribes that, that need help and need assistance and, uh, and fiber to the home would be a great start. And you mentioned telemedicine and um, you know different things like that. I mean, COVID showed us that, right? So many more people now working from home. Um, you know, there's a security issue, there's a safety issue, uh, you know, safety with the ring cameras, um, you know, communication with the schools are always calling and over voice over IP. Uh, all these things need high-speed internet and broadband, and Bead's going to allow to bridge this all together. Uh, so really exciting time for, for everyone in the state of Arizona and, and in the country, to be honest with you. And it's important to note, too, that uh, you know, Bead funding deployment is a multi-year 
process. So we're, you know, in one part of the process and it's going to continue for several years, at least through 2026. Um, but again, bead funding deployment is a multi-year process. The timeline started in 2022 with a notice of funding opportunities and the typical sort of letter of intent application process that, um, you know, uh, many folks may already be used to. That's not a particularly new setup. Uh, but we're currently in the phase where five-year implementation plans are being submitted along with initial proposals for how and where this funding would even be deployed. Can you give us an update on that timeline from your perspective, right? What sorts of proposals are you hearing about from industry colleagues, um, whether in Arizona or otherwise? So I think a lot of the, the ISPs from the ISPs perspective Right now, they're, they're looking in, in their communities and their backyards and saying, okay, what areas in, in our footprint can we uh, service and, and have help from BEAD to allow us to reach some folks that maybe we weren't able to uh, a year ago because we thought, gosh, it's just too expensive. It didn't make mathematical sense. So right now, we're out uh, looking for different areas for that, first and foremost. We're uh, working with our uh, broadband director to say, hey, um, you know, what areas would, would you recommend that, that we take a look at? Because, you know, they're meeting with everyone. And then I think that um, um, as us as the ISPs, we're also looking to figure out, okay, the process starts. We have to figure out what areas we want to bid on, right? And then we have to figure out, okay, we need to have the funds allocated for that project. So we're getting all that in line. We're getting uh, grant writers in place because, you know, it is a daunting task to, to write these grants. And then they have a bunch of... Um, uh, smart um, things we have to get in order as far as being um, compliant and that sort of thing. So we're getting all of our ducks in a row as an ISP. And I think the, the states and then uh, the government are doing the same. They're getting the, the allocated funds. They're finishing up the FCC map. So the states are still working on collecting and getting the final toll of how much money they're going to have to allocate. So from a state perspective, they're working with the NTIA figuring out, hey, do I have $700 million? Do I have $900 million? What's the amount of dollars I have to spend? So they're working through that and that goes through the challenge process. And once the final challenge process is over, they'll figure out how much money they actually have in the state. And then once they have that, then they can get a better idea of how much funds they actually have to disperse. And then they'll be able to work on that and the extra funds. So a lot of stuff going on right now from an ISP perspective and a state perspective. And what are some uh, anecdotal examples, too, of just how Airbeam specifically is maneuvering the current point in the timeline? So for us, you know, we are pretty aggressive. We're meeting with um, and a lot of towns, uh, mayors. Uh, we're meeting with uh, town managers. We're meeting with community members, community leaders, tribal leaders, um, and trying to figure out what's the best play for Airbeam. We want to service every single community we can, which makes sense in our footprint. We are blessed to have... Um, our own construction teams. Um, we have uh, a good footprint throughout rural Arizona. So we'll be active uh, in the bidding process and um, we're looking forward to it. Uh, there'll be some competition, but I think that, um, you know, we'll be a good fit for a lot of the different communities in, in the state of Arizona. So we're, we're looking forward to it, trying to get everything in the line. But um, strategy wise, we're just uh, going through the process, trying to make sure that um, we're ready for it, planning for it, equipment wise, personnel wise, um, and all that good stuff. All right, Ben. Well, we have plenty to still break down about bead funding and ACP funding as well, but there's only so much time 
for each podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause here and actually break this up into two parts. So this will be the end of part one. And folks listening, we'll be continuing our conversation on bead funding, ACP funding, how to get involved with the process and how to strategize around all this federal funding here very soon. But till then, we've been chatting with Ben Elkins, CEO of Airbeam. Ben, it's been great chatting so far. I'm looking forward to following back up here soon. But until then, where can folks learn a little bit more about Airbeam, maybe catch up on um, you know, some of your presence in the Arizona community so they're more informed when they come back for part two? Well, it's been a pleasure, Daniel. Thank you again. Um, as far as Airbeam, Website's the best spot. We have a great website. It's uh, www.airbeam.com. Um, go on there. We have a big ad on the ACP on our front page and all the information about our fiber products and our fixed wireline products as well, as well as some information about Boston Omaha, our parent company. Perfect. Ben, thanks again for your time. We'll chat again soon. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, Daniel. really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for tuning into this part one of two of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. Make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for that part two and head to our website, amphenolbroadband.com for more on our company and more great content resources. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Wavelengths. Wavelengths.